Hi, this is Sandy Simpson from Apologetics Coordination Team. Thank you for choosing one of our podcasts, and I hope that you enjoy it and it's a help to you. This teaching is about uh, a key to be able to teach both predestination and free will. You know, when I was in college, one of the favorite all-night jam sessions was the predestination versus free will debate. You know, we'd stay up all night and never resolve the problem. Though I was a Christian, I was somewhat immature at that time and had not learned the principle of not imposing man-made constructs on the scriptures, which would be eisegesis, but rather letting the Bible interpret itself using exegesis since it consists of the word of God as breathed by the Holy Spirit, 2 Timothy 3.16, through the prophets, apostles, and of course, the word incarnate, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a famous saying that states, a text out of context in isolation from co-text is also, it's always a pretext. It certainly was a pretext for our lengthy useless arguments on the subject. I heard a biblical teacher and scholar whom I respect state while teaching Romans 8 that he didn't really understand how to explain predestination. I remember that I used to say that myself and I have heard many less than five point Calvinists say the same thing. The reason I say that is because full five point Calvinists have no problem saying that God predestined some people to heaven and some to hell without explanation. I discovered many years ago that if your doctrinal position prohibits you from explaining scripture or causes you to skip certain troublesome passages altogether, then you need to readjust your doctrine, not the other way around. When you find you cannot teach certain passages of scripture, that's a good indication you have a lot to learn. I'm not saying a person can fully explain the Trinity, for instance, but we can at least illuminate what the Bible teaches while stating the, that the full mystery of the Trinity will be revealed only when we see Jesus in the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. But we need to stick with what the Bible teaches instead of his theologians, who may have had some good ideas, but may also have had wrong interpretations that have led many into error. I talk about the many problems of Calvinism versus Arminianism in an article I wrote some years ago. I resolved many years ago to stop being a, what I called a 3.5 uh, point Calvinist and Start, started teaching what the Bible actually teaches. On the sub subject of predestination versus free will, I, find my, I found myself finally able to teach verses like Romans 8, 29 through 30 on predestination and 2 Peter 3, 17 on falling away. I could teach them without interjecting some lame interpretations to make them fit in with a system of doctrine but rather for their own merit as they were intended. So what is this key? 
Well, the key I'm talking about in this article is teaching predestination is not to start with what uh, that as a basis, but start with what the Bible lays as a foundation for predestination. Let's take a look at that. Romans 8, 29 through 30. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first born among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And we can also look at 1 Peter 1, 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So this issue of predestination is based on the omniscience of God, his foreknowledge. It doesn't start with predestination out of the blue, but it's based on God knowing who, having heard the uh, gospel and been convicted by the Holy Spirit, who opens their blind eyes to their sinful nature and the reason why Jesus Christ had to come and die a substitutionary death in their place to pay for their sins, known from eternity past, who would truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation. Now, I've heard so many preachers who have been led down the path to full-on Calvinism start with predestination and end up with ideas like these. Number one, God predestined some to hell and some to heaven. Number two, that since God predestined, he also gives, Christian, gives Christians their faith, thus they don't have to believe to be saved. And number three, since they don't have to believe to be saved, they also don't have to hold on to their faith, and they cannot walk away from God. Number one, 1 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance. Hey, well, that cancels out the idea of God predestining some people to hell. God doesn't want people to go to hell. That's why he sent his son to die for our sins. Second uh, point is Acts 16.31. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. Well, that gets rid of the idea that God gives believers their faith. We have to believe. Number three, Hebrews 3.14, if we have become partakers of Christ, if, uh, for we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. And that demolishes the idea that you don't have to hold on to your faith till the end. You can see how easy it is to refute complex arguments by Calvinists with a few verses if you're inclined to argue from the scripture, not from man-made constructs. Well, you know what? The same uh, idea goes for Pelagian Arminian teaching. For instance, that since it, number one, since Adam and Eve ate from the tree of good and evil, humans do not have a sin nature. And number two, they have enough good in them to accept Jesus as their savior with their, by their own will. Well, again, the Bible begs to differ. 
First of all, Romans 7, 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Also, Romans 7, 24, 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. You know what? Paul had a sinful nature. So do we. The second point is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. No person can believe unto salvation without the gospel and the conviction of the Holy Spirit because all have sinned. The problem with sin in Romans uh, 3.23 is not talking merely about a choice to sin sometimes. It's talking about the sin nature that comes down from sin entering the world through the original sin of Satan. Isaiah 14, 13-14. Then Adam and Eve, Romans 5.14. So if you teach according to the scriptures, you will know that man cannot be born again by simply exer exercising their fallen will. They have to hear the gospel, Ephesians 1.13, be convicted by the Holy Spirit, John 16.8, who opens their blind eyes, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. recognize they have a sin nature, Romans 7.18, and also choose to sin, Romans 6.1-3, which makes it impossible for them to have a relationship with God. That's John 9.31 and Romans 5.8. And understand that they have to believe in and commit to the salvation gift of Jesus Christ, John 6, 38. And then hold on to that till the end. And there's many verses on this, Hebrews 3, 14, Philippians 2, 16, 2 Thessalonians 2, 15, Revelation 2, 25, and 3, 11. So the key to correctly teaching about predestination is to teach it in the sequence Paul set down which is foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. If you start somewhere other than at the beginning, you will not be able to teach the scriptures properly. Predestination and so forth are all based on the foreknowledge of God. Remember that we need to define scripture not only by immediate context, but in the light of the whole counsel of God's word. Just to illustrate how far some Calvinists can go, I've heard the argument many times that there's only one place in the Bible where it uses the word free will, implying man was not given the freedom of will. My answer is that the whole Bible is an account of how the will of man either causes his judgment, if not submitted to God, or glorification if he does the will of God and believes. Man cannot choose to understand and believe in the gospel, which can only happen if convicted by the Holy Spirit, who opens the eyes of people living in darkness. But a person can use their will to make all kinds of decisions, yet none of those choices will lead a person to salvation. On the other hand, the Arminian position causes them to, causes them to say things like, people are basically good, or 
Conversely, when a person sins, they need to be born again each time they sin. You would think that both those positions would be opposite, but they both come from the premise that they believe men are a mixture of good and bad. They do not realize that we cannot be good enough to have a relationship with God. And the only way possible is for the Lord Jesus Christ to create a new person and a new spirit and for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell there. Also, if a person believes they cannot be justified once and for all, uh, and, and uh, once and for all, they depend on them. Otherwise, they depend on themselves for salvation through a choice of the will. We cannot save ourselves. Here's a verse I always remember in this debate, 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. The wonderful thing is that God is the one who knows who belongs to him. We can only see who's walking with him now, but we don't know the final outcome. Thus, we can pray for people to be saved and to witness to them, but we cannot know the final outcome of salvation for them. But we also know that if we're truly born, born again, there will be fruit, namely abstinence from wickedness. We are tasked by God with checking to make sure we're truly in the faith, since we're not omniscient. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourselves and see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We cannot save ourselves, but we must exercise faith in order to appropriate the grace of Christ to ourselves upon hearing the gospel and having our eyes opened by the Lord. There's only one name under heaven by which men may be saved, Acts 4.12. So, I hope that this key of foreknowledge will help you in presenting the truth set down in the highest revelation, the written word of God. Hi, this is Sandy Simpson again. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. You can come to my website, Apologetic Coordination Team at DeceptionInTheChurch.com or go to our YouTube site called Act TV and check out our DVDs and books, etc. Thank you so much for checking us out.